0: I totally get that planning content in advance can be stressful for people, but my guest today, Erin Olilla, is sharing how she plans in themes or series so that it doesn't ever become too overwhelming. Her process provides the space to be creative and strategic, and I'm really excited for us to get a peek behind the curtain. Let's do it. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high-energy visuals and short-form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Erin. Hey, Deanna. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you so much for being (laughs) here. Okay, before we dive in, I just want to reminisce for a second about our Anti-Hustle Holiday Countdown episode. Was that season one or two? I can't even remember. I think it was season one.
1: I think it was season... How many have you done so far? Because I think I was season this two. This is season three. Oh, then I was season one. Yeah, you're
0: season... This is going to be... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the OG. You're in the OG season. Yes. And we both, for everyone listening, we talk about our love of the elf on the shelf. So it's controversial take for us to love them. But I do controversial take and I am
1: fully in support of the parents who don't love Mm -hmm. them because I am not a Pinterest elf on the shelf. You should really go and listen to the episode so you can hear my official take on the elf on the shelf. But I have absolute 100% uh, fully opened my home to Logan, our elf, and I expect he will be here every Christmas until I'm not here anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, I will tell you that since 2021, when we recorded that, Snowflake has brought a friend named buttercup
1: oh my so, good! you are so lucky too.
0: yeah um so you know whoa we love the alps anyways i just thought that was fun and i wanted to be like oh my gosh remember that was so fun but that is not what we're talking about today so don't get excited everyone we're not talking about that we are talking about something actually that could help you in your business which is planning our content and themes is that fair to say aaron is that a good synopsis? it is fair to okay. say yeah
1: Figuring out how to come up with ideas for your content in a way that isn't icky and overwhelming and making you just sweat in your socks.
0: Yes. So can I give a little backstory to why I wanted you to come on and talk about this with me? Is that okay? Please do. Well, I feel like, okay, so obviously we just established that we've known each other since 2021. And that was like right when Talk Copy to Me was coming out. Because I remember that season yes. with all podcasters, and I was like, "Oh, you can." I think it might have not even been out yet, but I was like, "You're close enough. We got to cover." We're, you're yeah, we're do
1: it. you now. were there to hear my like anxieties and <laughs> yeah. wishes and dreams of the show for months before it launched. Yes. But yeah, but
0: also watch your process of mm-hmm. like how your brain worked, and I just remember you being like so full. It sounds like a bad thing, but you're so full of ideas, but I just kept <laughs> hearing all these different ideas and the way that your brain organized it into little chunks. And like, then I could have these people on to talk about this one topic, but in these few different ways. And it was just magical to watch your process and see you fill up like a whole year calendar. You know, when you start a podcast, people say like, make sure you have like a list of things you want to talk about. And you were like, Here's a whole year of things I'm going to. Not gonna talk about. <laughs> only do I
1: have a list of things that I want to talk about, but here's how the first 7 years are going to go of this show.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, so tell the people a little bit about how you maybe we'll start with your podcast. I know you're like a blogger and all the things, but let's start with the podcast specifically, which could be applied to probably any medium people like creating content in. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think any type of content you create, there's a really easy way to look at theming the content that you have, well, let me, let me actually backtrack for a second. I think there's a reason, a really easy way to ideate based on topics or categories. And then you can take those ideas that you've created and then use them as themes or series. So I guess it's the middle ground between like coming up with ideas on the spot and then having a really fully fledged marketing strategic editorial calendar for your content. I am also a person with ADHD. So I feel like for me, planning is extremely helpful, but I also need wiggle room. So because of that, I can empathize really well with there There's many different approaches to content creation and content ideation. And there's going to be some people who really want to schedule out into the future. They feel confident when they have like a list of things that they're going to talk about, it makes them motivated and excited to like take those ideas and put them in action. Whereas there are people who are like, if you give me a list of things that I have to do for the next 12 weeks, I will 100% not do them because it causes a lot of anxiety. So I think being in that natural position of both of those elements kind of influencing my own creation, it gives me that empathy to be like, okay, well, this can't be a one size fits all approach. Personally, my probably, this is going to sound conceited and I don't mean it to, but like my biggest strength in my business is just strategy and ideation. Like I can come up with millions of ideas so much so that one of my clients called me the ideator, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. Like the terminator, the ideator, should I change my entire business to this name? Decided against it, but it's natural for me. So If you're hearing this and you end up listening to what I'm about to say, and you're like, okay, well, I'm never going to come up with that many ideas. Just know that like, it's not natural for everyone to come up with ideas. Like put me down with a spreadsheet or, you know, excels. And I'm like, I don't know what these buttons do. We all have different strengths and I do not expect you to suddenly become a big ideator like myself. But the reason I'm excited to talk to you is because I think that this process works really well for anyone. So when I decided I wanted to start my show, it was probably five plus years in business. And I had already wanted to have a different content medium than just writing for a long time. However, being a mom that worked at home with babies, I was constantly frazzled looking and I just was like, "Am I, do I have time to have my own show? Is my brain space even going to like develop a good idea here. And I just knew that I couldn't put it into practice until I was ready. So when I was ready, I I wanted to be strategic. I wanted to know that I wasn't just going to wing it and then be frustrated that the content I was creating wasn't attached to my business. Another thing about me specifically is I like to create. So I, I constantly catch myself creating things for the sake of creating and then being like, wait a second. Is this even going to bring me a client? Like I just spent four months prepping this awesome idea, this awesome publication, let's say, or process. And it's not really strategic. It's just fun. So when the podcast came around, I was like, I can't do that. Like it needs to be strategic, but I don't necessarily do well being strategic without fun. Mm -hmm. So I put my, my little ideator hat on and I said, what can help me get clients? what is the information my clients need to know and how can i like merge those two so that way like i'm having interviews with other people that are interesting i'm sharing my best information and i think when we put that like pressure on ourselves that's where the like blank page syndrome happens cuz we're like i need the content to be business oriented i need the content to speak to my clients needs like There's so many things I could say. What should I say? So for me personally, I decided that I wanted to cover some of the the ways that I worked with clients, which was helpful to come up with themes. So I'm a copywriter and an SEO strategist. So I knew there are things I wanted to talk about SEO related. Most of the work that I do is all on websites. So I knew I wanted to talk about things like website pages. And I realized when I was ideating in that manner that I was coming up with these little mini series. So one of the first mini series on my show was website pages. And I covered It was a four-episode mini series on what goes on a homepage, what goes on an about page, what goes on a services page. And the fourth episode was like, what are all of the other pages you could potentially have on your website? And I did that because I knew if I wanted to talk about websites, those were foundational things that I needed to discuss first before I could talk about more complex things. You know, if I decide to have an episode on like how to decide what goes in the footer of your website... I can't all of a sudden assume that people know all of those other things. So it was just really natural for me to think of like, well, what are these foundation things that I need to to share? And that's how I came up with my mini series. And we're almost at two whole years podcasting at this point weekly. And every single episode that I've done has fit neatly into a series of content for my show.
0: Okay. I mean, I remember that series. So what are some other series that you've had and then how did those relate to what you offer?
1: Yeah. So for me, I started talking about the website pages. I moved into SEO and then I moved into things like messaging. So like brand messaging, sales copy. And I decided I wanted to specifically have a series on sales copy for the show because I don't do sales copy. In my business. And I knew that if I have a copywriting show, I still need to cover what my audience needs to hear. And that would be a great opportunity to bring on experts into the show that did the things that I didn't do for my own business. Mm -hmm. I moved through all of those things to talk about other things like email copy, advertising, social media, which I also don't do for my business, but I knew that every time I finish a website with my clients, as an example, they'll say, well, what's next? Like, Mm -hmm. you just advised me on all of this stuff. What do I do when I stop working with you? And not that my immediate suggestion for them is always social media, but it's the first thing that they think of. So for me, it was easy to think, well, what do my listeners need to hear? And that was a prime example of how I could bring other people into my ecosystem and provide content for my audience. Then thinking of the idea that if my show is all related to marketing and how the words that we use in marketing are so important in many different elements, I went on to have a series like videos, podcasting, AI, and they're all related to copy so like i didn't do an ai episode as an example and just talk about artificial intelligence and how it's entered the marketing world i could talk about why it's important to understand some of the legal things that you have to consider if you're going to use it or how to ethically use it for your business if you want to get kickstarted in your marketing so i share all these examples of you about series to kind of help you think about like ideation in general because I used those things that were related to the services I offered. But there are many other ways to ideate your content. So, for example, when I do ideation exercises with my clients, we'll do things like, okay, let's literally list out all the months of the year. What happens in your business within those months? So you can take your content ideation and your, like, series or theming based on date specific things. So maybe seasonality plays a large role of your, in your business. Um, very silly example, but if you own a coffee shop, it's currently pumpkin spice season. Mm-hmm. So you could be doing things that were related to the fall harvest season and create content in that manner. If t- like time and date and holiday specific things are not hugely related in your business, you could do like I did and do service-based things. So list out the services that you have Or if you're a product-based business and like instead of a service-based business, list out like the main categories of products that you have and come up with content ideas under those categories. Another way to look at it is the things of like frequently asked questions. That's probably one of the easiest cheats for content ideation is what are people asking you? Like if you have an idea of the questions you're constantly answering or some the things that people don't know, Sometimes I'll have people say to me like, "I didn't know you did that." Mm-hmm. And that's such an easy reminder to me that that's something I should be adding or thinking about when it comes to how I ideate things. So, you can look at your customers' lens, you can look at your own business, and I want to preface this with a disclaimer to say you should never be copying people in the same sphere as you because one, they could be doing it all wrong, and two, you want to stand out and differentiate your own business from your competitors. But I think it's helpful when it comes to ideation to look at what your competitors are doing. What are they doing that's inspiring to you? I just saw someone today who isn't actually a true competitor, but they're within the same marketing sphere, did a really good example on Instagram about why you should be pricing things on your website. Which was just a quick little like reminder to me like, oh, that's something I could talk about, like pricing on my podcast, for example. Should you? Shouldn't you? Why and why not? So you can pay attention to what people are doing to be inspired by them, but not necessarily do the same thing as them. Some of my clients do really well looking at their competitors, and instead of using them as inspiration or swipe, they use them as what they do not want to do. And I don't mean this in a mean way. A while back, I had an executive coach I was working with, and I asked her, well, what do you hate about the coaching industry? And boy, did she give me quite a long <laughs> list of things she hated about her industry, because she came from the corporate world into the like online business world, and it was very different for her and hard to adjust to because she wasn't, she never needed to sell herself and her abilities when she worked in the corporate world. She was in demand, if anything. So we used the list of the things that felt very frustrating, overwhelming, annoying to her, and we flipped them into positives of what she's doing that's differently. So we didn't even use any of the annoyances. Mm-hmm. In the copy, in the content, we instead presented them as like differentiators that really made her stand out. So I know that was a lot of information, but I wanted to present the very many ways that you can look at how to come up with ideas because you can't make the themes and you can't make the series unless you have ideas already that you can pull from. Mm, okay.
0: Okay this is all so good already. You're like, this is a lot of information. I'm like, I know I'm here for it. I'm loving it. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. And then I wanna talk a little bit more about once you get some ideas, how to like, maybe possibly arrange them, even though we kind of already talked about that, but we're gonna dive in a little bit more. If you're ready to get consistent with your content, have you considered joining us in the Content Playhouse? It's a quarterly membership that'll provide the training to help you get organized and the community support to stick to your plan. There's a free co-working open house coming up on December 13th. Head to contentplayhouse.com to learn more and come hang out with us. Okay, so once you have gotten all your ideas out of your head and you have maybe your offers or like you were saying, I think mine's more calendar based just because now I'm like launching my membership quarterly So when you said that, I was like, I feel like that's me because I'm like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. if I'm hosting co-working this day, the launch is starting this day, I should probably start talking about this day. So I like how you mentioned that it could just be non-dependent on the calendar or mine, I think, is I have to think strategically in terms of when I need to start talking about things. So that was really good. But once we get all of our ideas out, how do we figure out maybe what order they go in, which ones are good ideas, which ones are like maybe not the best ideas, who to invite if it's a podcast? Like, how do you do all that stuff?
1: Yeah. I'm really glad you brought it up in the way that you did. Cause it made me think of one more thing, all of those different categories or like ways that I talked about how you could ideate, they don't have to be separate from each other. So they can be specifically if you have like a date-based business, not like yours, but one that like has launches that are very related to the calendar. Like we do this in the spring. I have a offer I do every spring, um, which is pretty much spring clean your website. And I, I do spend time in February and March talking about the idea of oh, your site and what you would need to address as part of my pre launch content. So that is a great example of the calendar and how content is related to a specific time based thing. However, you can maybe talk about services. And still have it be calendar related. So if you are launching a program, let's say, when you're not launching, what do you say, you still need some content to share, right? Like, we have to think of content and not that you're doing this, of course, we have to think of content as not just conversion related as things like nurture related as things like attracting related. So You don't have to worry about that though. Like in this theming and this ideation part, the reason it works so well is you're getting all of these ideas out of your head and then you're using them later. Whether it works for you to make a schedule and stick to that schedule or whether that works for you to just pull them out of a hat and say like, okay, today I wanna talk about this service I offer and just look at the list and pull from it. Any of it's fine. So they can stand apart or they can be combined to create like a fuller strategy. But you're asking how to take these ideas and make them into themes. So I think the best way to do it is to think like you're saying, is there anything that I need for a conversion event, a search event, or a nurture rep- event? And if so, use that like decision making as your driving force. Like, okay, well, I've, I have no SEO efforts at all. I'm getting referrals, but they're, uh, they're lacking. I'm gonna focus on the things that people are actually searching for. And I'm gonna let all of those analytics really be the driving force of the themes that I choose. If you find that your clients take a longer time to convert and you need more nurture-based content, then maybe you focus on that and you say, okay, People, once they start talking to me, they're really ready to purchase, but I need to create some more um, content that would maybe either make them more aware of me and feel more ready to sign on the dotted line. So I'm going to focus on some of these like fears or anxieties, not necessarily from a non-empathetic view, but if your clients are worried about doing XYZ before working with you, create content around that XYZ so they feel like excited and confident when it comes time to actually pay you to do something. Or if it's conversion-related, like you mentioned for a launch, plan the themes around things that they'd care about when it comes to the launch. Now, sometimes none of those things really play a large factor. My podcast, for example, I knew in the early days, like I wanted to cover things that were related to my services so that way I could take those foundational elements and talk more about them later. But at this point in the show, I mean... I don't need to do that anymore. Like I've covered a lot of foundational work that I could easily say, oh, you remember an episode X, you know, when I, we talked about this? I don't need any of those things. So it's more how can I present things that I've missed in the past? I'm adding to my very early website series this fall by talking about things like how do you know it's time to rebrand your website and if you are redoing your website and you have these pages created already how do you plan a better user experience how do you reduce the number of pages you have because i can do that building on what i've already created Mm -hmm. So part of it's knowing what your business needs are, what your podcasting needs are, what your YouTube needs are, any type of content you create, and then thinking of themes. And if you're someone who doesn't want to plan too much ahead, you have full permission to think of themes as the things you actually just want to talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you straight up just like and you want to talk about just know what you're doing here is you're kind of compartmentalizing to keep yourself in a container because if you let me just talk about things I like to talk about, boy, would I be just talking and talking and and then we'd get in the situation like I've been in the past where I'm creating, but it's not strategic. So putting yourself in a container and saying, okay, you have five episodes this series to make your point about whatever, you know, the, the topic is. What's important for you to say? You know, I find having those containers super helpful because they also are very clear indicators to me that if I cannot fit something in like a three to five episode series, there's a reason for that. I have a lot more to say. Well, well, what does that mean? Does that mean there's something that has to shift within my business, my content schedule, my audience? And I think you should recognize those things or at least say, okay, we're shifting gears slightly, but we're going to talk about this now. Mm-hmm. One of those indicators for me was I had done an episode on video. And that was because um, a lot of people talked about that within my se- um, social media series uh, like that I had done. And they had said like reels or longer videos. And I knew, okay, well, I can have a few guests come on to talk about video content because it's still such a huge part of copywriting and marketing. And when I did that, it was really well received, like the downloads went up, I I got more listeners. And I thought, well, if people care about video content, then they also probably care about audio content. So now I should create a podcasting series, which is what
0: I did. Mm, Okay. I like that. First of all, as a person who also likes to create and can get very excited and start just making stuff. would you say? Like you're just working on it forever. And then you're like, wait, what, why, what am I doing? And also it can take some twists and turns. And then by the time I'm finished, I'm like, where did we end up? Is that strategic? Yeah. So I love the idea of giving yourself permission to just brain dump it all. Maybe sort it into little containers. Maybe some of the containers don't make the cut. Once you start thinking like, what does this relate to in my business or how does this nurture or do any of those phases I just think it's a really creative but also analytical way to do things, which I think honestly is like what I admire about your structure that you have going on here. Like you said, it has enough room for creativity, but it also is strategic and looks at the data and says, oh, if they like video, maybe they'll like podcasting.
1: Yeah. For me, I've also found that like in doing it, it helps me backtrack and figure out where I've done wrong as well. (laughs) So as an example, I mentioned the social media series early with you as doing something because I knew my clients had a, a big question of what happens after the website. Or not only that, like I have some clients who I do like podcasting content strategy with to develop the SEO and the the ideas that go along this, and for them, they're like, okay, but I create this podcast. It takes a ton of work. I think anyone knows if they've been involved in podcasting. It, it it's kind of like a second job, mm-hmm. right? Why am I spending all this money and time and work on this podcast if I'm if it's not growing? So they immediately think of social media. So it's something that I don't do. I don't offer as a service, but is always within the conversation I seem to have with clients and peers. So I thought, oh, it's such a smart idea to have a social media series. Like I can bring on someone who does create social content. I can talk about the different, and this is how my brain worked in case this is helpful to see how I came up with it, where I adjusted my approach and then what went totally wrong. So again, I wanted to have someone who was a social media expert on I wanted to have a episode about the different types of social channels that you could have. And I wanted to have for sure a conversation with someone who didn't use social media, so they could cover like, what would you do if you didn't? So I usually do four to five episodes per series for my show. These were three ideas that I had. And I thought I was really struggling with that. I'm like, I don't want to just do three episodes because my brain says there's rules on these things and I must follow the rules. So then I went wild and I totally blew past that because I kept thinking, okay, why not create a slightly bigger series. And instead of just having one episode on all of the different social channels, why not do one episode for each of the major social channels? And I I like that idea. I still like that idea. What I don't like is that Erin who creates things for the sake of creating thought to herself, why not make this more social, you know, social media social by inviting multiple experts on each platform. And I imagine that I'd have these like quick 10 minute conversations with each person, sew them together into one episode and go, and <laughs> go on with my life. But the problem is I really like people. And I think if you talk to someone for more than five or 10 minutes, you're going to learn all of these incredible and amazing things, even if it's not about them, about their expertise so my conversations were about 40 minutes with each expert and they were so good that instead of having one weekly episode about the platform i had three episodes for each platform that went live during the week so i can't do math but let's just assume that's like 25 episodes about social media and sure it was only like a two-month thing within the the podcast. But by the time I was done talking about social media, and I interviewed Hillary Ray about not be using social media for her business, (laughs) I was like, see you later, social, no one should use it. Get off social media, go live your life. And I don't actually believe that I was just so tired of talking about it. And what I saw happen business wise is a ton of people started talking to me about social media as if I was a social media expert. Mm -hmm. And I was getting more of those very random questions like, oh, you do content strategy? And I was like, yes, I've done content strategy for years now, people. But it's because I spent months on my platform talking about other people's expertise. So I learned very quickly that while that grand idea about being social on social media was fun and while that grand idea truly was insightful, because I'll tell you, while that series frustrates me because I can catch myself in doing something I shouldn't have done now, the episodes were so good. Like I am so proud of the content within those episodes. And now that we're months and months past them i've realigned my show better to be more strategic for my own business and my own goals but having that distance, I can say, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have had at maximum four episodes on social media because my audience did not need to know the intricacies of, of TikTok. And now I have two episodes on Twitter and the platform isn't even called Twitter anymore. I don't even want to call it by its real name because I just, I find it all so frustrating. So not a bad idea. Like I said, the content was excellent. I'm so grateful that I met the people I did through that and I'm proud of what I published. But I share that as an example for you listeners and audience to know that even though you have a good idea, you kind of have to check that idea before putting in all of the work and figure out how related it is back to your goals. Mm. And I think had I not gotten excited with my very quick idea about making it social, like that was the heart, that was the really like the the, the downfall. I think if I didn't get excited about that, then I would have checked that so quickly. But because the excitement and the momentum took over and all of a sudden I had too many people to interview and I was trying to find the perfect people and I was getting excited about their topics, it was all happening so quickly that I didn't have the space to sit down and say, Hmm, not as strategic. Mm. So the funny thing is, because I mentioned we all approach this differently, I do really well planning far ahead into the future. Like I have months of my show already scheduled, recorded, or ideated past the conversation that we're having right now. But the social media series was not very far planned into the future. I think I had maybe planned it like a month or so before I scheduled the first episode that went live. Mm-hmm. So it was all happening very quickly. And I think that's why I couldn't see. Yeah. So I think that answers your yeah. question about how to know whether like the topic is right or wrong. I think it's right if you're excited about it. I think it's right if you hear good feedback about it. And that's a really good indicator that you should do more of that. And I think that instead of learning from your mistakes, it's really good to pause and check them before you create.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm even thinking too, once you brain dump all these ideas, even giving yourself the, the space to be like, I think this one, I'm like, really, like, maybe I'm like, now my brain is like, you could create it on a little scale, like, the excitement, but also the relatability to your offers. And mm-hmm. how is this? And I like that you think, like, my listeners need these episodes and I can also totally relate to you being like, you can't just have three episodes, and then it went from three to one million. (laughs) 30, yeah, like it was like three to 30, practically. Which is funny, that that wasn't breaking the rule for you. Like, normally you have four, but you could go past four, but you couldn't go under four, but that's like me.
1: Super breaking the rule, and I didn't notice it, though, because I was too caught up in it. So had I actually, and no other series have I had this trouble. Had I actually just given myself a deep breath and not just got so excited about it, I would have realized, this is not a social media show. If you think about it, that could have been its own mini like show, mm-hmm. right? Like a one series show about all of the social media things. I probably should just remove the episodes and make it its own show at this point. But I think it's just helpful to check yourself and know that if it seems like it's too much, a great approach is to come back to it, mm-hmm. right? Like I did before but with my website pages. And maybe if I give a little tiny bit more information this will be helpful. So I started the podcast knowing that that the pages were very important to me, and I wanted to cover that earlier. And I told you that during the fall, I'm talking about a lot of like website updates Mm -hmm. that you'd need to make based on those episodes. Now, forward thinking, you remember I also told you that every year I do a spring clean your website challenge. So while I wasn't necessarily thinking this in the planning sense, I did know when I scheduled out my content for the rest of 2023 that I also needed to give people's brain a bit of a break between the website updates, like meaning like proactive updates and the content that I'm going to be doing around audits, Mm -hmm. which sounds silly because they're very similar, but the content that I'm creating for this fall is really more of like, I want to improve this page or I want to add a new page. And then the content for next spring is more like, how do you know that you don't have old information on your site? Are you using dates from the past? Does it say that you've been in business for four years when really you've been in business for eight? So it's more fixing in the spring and it's more like goal oriented in the fall. So, I know that's a lot of information, but you can see how if you're excited about something or if you have a lot of information or expertise on a particular topic, you can just separate them slightly. Mm -hmm. So you're still keeping people's interest, and they know that down the road there will be more, but it's not going to be the same thing week after week after week. Yeah,
0: this is what I like, and when people push back sort of like, oh, well, I'm not a planner, I don't want to plan, I think it's things like that too that you can be like, oh, Mm -hmm. and you didn't accidentally – talk about those things right before you needed to talk about spring cleaning. And you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to do eight episodes about quote unquote, fixing your website or auditing your website, like all back to back. It gives you like an overview. And I say the same thing because I can't, I plan very far in advance. Like I think my podcast is planned through like March and we're recording this in the end of September, but it's just Mm -hmm. there. It's not like I've made it all. It's not like everything's written or recorded. It's just there so I can... Just see how it all falls and make changes if I need to. But then you can catch things like that, which is super strategic, which is the whole point of doing this. Not to box you in, but to give you more permission to be creative, but be strategic and move around your creativity or, you know, ditch it if you need to, or add something new. Cause you're like, oh wait, this has been awesome. Thank you, Aaron. I can't wait for people to go listen to your podcast. Cause clearly... If they haven't picked up on it already, it is a wealth of knowledge and fun. Thank you. So, thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: I could talk about coming up with ideas and, like, putting them to practice any day of the week. I, know.
0: Okay. I feel like I wanted to make you for a second do a Terminator, like, I'll be back, like an idea.
1: <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Thank we you. Just keep this. Don't cut it until then. We'll be back next week with more. I can't that do
0: that. I'm like, sorry. I that cried. was like Boris and <laughs> Natasha from Bullwinkle or something. Like, <laughs> uh-uh. Oh my gosh. Thank you. We'll <laughs> be back. Hold up a second. We said we'd be back and we're already back because I totally tried to wrap up the episode before Erin got to say how she chooses the people to be on these little series. So hook us up with that. Thank
1: you. And hello. Thanks for having me back on the show. I said we'll be back and here we are. Um, I I think a really key thing to think about too is because you had asked me, how do you know who's the right person to have? And how do you know who's the wrong person to have on the show? And I think that what I've found is the right people to have are people who are within your audience's need to know. So it's been great for me to have people on the show who are like website designers, graphic designers, email marketers, people that obviously offer similar things to my audience, but things that I would refer out. I sometimes write email copy for my clients, but I'm not necessarily advertising myself as an email writer, because those Like services that I'm offering to the people that I already work with come up within a bigger project. So maybe we're adjusting their lead magnet and we say, you can't use those same emails. Let's edit them. Things like that. If someone came to me and said, hey, I really want you to write like this 20 series email on this, this and that. I'd be like, well, let me tell you who you need to call. And then I'd refer them to my friend, right? That's an easy way to know that the person is right to come on your series with you. But where it gets a little tricky is when you invite people on the series who can amplify your answer with great content, but you also are selling the same thing. This does not mean that you should not have these people on your show. You want to really think about it though, right? There has been people on my show who, they do the same thing as I do. They have very similar setups to their services, but maybe we work with a different type of audience. That type of audience still cares about copywriting. And I care about them as a service provider and know that they have a lot to offer, but I might, for example, I'm not really so much of an e-commerce copywriter. They may be a great person to have on, even though we have exactly the same offers. Now, if you have the same offers with someone and you are serving the same audience, Think more about like, what can they offer my audience that I cannot? And how will I position them to my audience to like in the future? So if you decide you still want them on the show and you both have, let's say, maybe the same lead magnet, maybe you just say to them, hey, I don't want to share this particular thing with my audience because I think there's a conflict in what I'm offering, but I would like you to still come on the show. What else can we position them to get to know you better? Mm -hmm. If they have a podcast, maybe you're sharing their podcast, for example, Now, if you decide you don't want them on the show, you don't have to have someone on your show just because you like them. There are many ways you can collaborate in the future. And if you think that there is a conflict of interest, just trust that. In addition, if you do interview someone, as an example of podcasting, or for your blog, you interview them, or for your show, and it doesn't so much align with the content you want to offer your audience, you also do not have to include that interview. Now, that's been a hard thing for me to learn as a podcaster. Like when I've gotten on a call with someone and realized, oh, they're giving advice that I wouldn't give. So, what do I do in this situation? Right? I don't necessarily want to advertise this because I would not give this advice to my clients so that's also something that you may be up against and you'll just probably want to decide at that point to be honest and just say hey i'm finding this isn't really aligned with where i wanted the series to go or like the topic isn't exactly the same can we work together at a different time um and then when it comes to definitely not wanting them to be on the show. I would think about people who are not in your audience's sphere as well. So if your clients, for example, are not using social media, don't have that social media series, right? Like you're not going to want to bring on experts who can talk about Instagram if that's not what people are using. So that's pretty much the way to sum up how to bring people on is consider your competition, invite people in who your clients need, but you can't help them in that way. And then just weigh each of those scenarios for everyone else to make sure they still relate to the information you want to provide. And they don't necessarily step on each other's toes. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. It's so hard. A boundary. I'm like, oh, boundaries always make my armpit sweat. So I'm like, it's okay yeah. to have boundaries. It's okay to like record something or to make something and be like, you know what, actually, this didn't really... Like I love the way you put it. It just isn't the direction I want it for the series or whatever.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, and another example if this helps you that doesn't quite fit perfectly in what I just said is I just had Alicia Galati from Galati Media on my podcast to talk about podcast workflows. Now we both offer a a service around podcasting. And we both have a different, but very similar approach to podcast workflows. So I knew that having her on my show would be an asset to my audience because she really comes from the full production side of podcasting. Like she produces shows her and her team. They write the show notes, which I can do for my clients, but my clients who come to me to write show notes, they're hiring me from like a truly SEO content lens or maybe like this ideation lens and what her clients are coming to her, her for is the full suite package. So we knew that when we had our conversation, we were going to just have more of an honest dialogue between ourselves as to what will help my business. Like how can I show you off Alicia and your business for the people who would want to work with you? And how can we show off the skills that I have while still really giving our the audience a great overview of the topic that we want to have. So, I don't know if that helps, but hopefully it helps you figure out how to keep the topic in mind and really pull in the right people.
0: Again, being strategic about it all. So, okay. Officially, we will be back. We will not be back. We will not be back. I'm like, we'll be back (laughs) at another time. Actually, we'll be back when you go listen to the Anti-Hustle Holiday episode we did two years ago. You revisit that. All right. Christmas past. I will stop talking now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Erin. You're amazing, as always. Want to hang out with Erin more? Reach out to her on Instagram, LinkedIn, or threads at Erin Alilla. Or learn more about her at ErinAlilla.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast, Talk Copy to Me, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, before you go, the free week of the anti-hustle holiday series is happening right now. If you upgrade for just nine bucks, you can listen to all past seasons and future seasons, and 100% of the profits are being donated to Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. I mean, she is the queen of Christmas, right? I mean, either her or Mariah. Anyways, it's fun holiday stories about favorite movies, traditions, recipes, even some pet peeves from other online business owners. Between all three seasons, we're talking peeps like Tasha Booth, Lindsay Padilla, Maggie Patterson, Jessica Lackey, Liz Wilcox, Angie Trueblood, and even Erin Alilla herself. Okay, head to AntiHustleHoliday.com to get in on the holiday fun. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink wink. And last but not least, if you want to remain in my world and get some really fun emails in your inbox, head over to deannaseymor.com slash newsletter to join my email list. See you next time.